With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to your daily programming with the Rundown Live. Your forecast into the future. Ah, it's that time again. Time to relax and kick up your feet, grab your favorite beverage, and tune in to the Rundown Live, your forecast into the future.
is Tuesday, February 27th on the leap year of 2024, and I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris. You're listening to The Rundown Live on KGRA Radio, KGRADB.com. You can also find our broadcast anywhere where podcasts are found, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, and the video is available on Rumble dot com forward slash the rundown live as well as facebook.com forward slash the rundown live twitter forward slash Kristan t harris and uh rundown live you can find us just about everywhere right now uh that being said today's broadcast as usual is funded by you our broadcast is 100 percent funded by our listeners we bring you a large range of information and today we're going to be talking a whole bunch of interesting topics dan dix is going to be joining us Dan Dix from Press for Truth will be joining us on top of the second hour. We're going to be diving into the Rothschild banking dynasty. We'll be talking a little bit about the Federal Reserve. We're going to dive into the satanic origins of some of that jazz. We don't really like to mix a whole lot of religion and politics, but sometimes you just can't help but talk about the weird ritualistic stuff that goes on. I know we were just talking about Kid Rock and Bohemian Grove yesterday, and he was talking about his good old time over at Bohemian Grove, and every other word was a cuss word, I think, uh, that came out of Kid Rock's mouth. You know, he has a really big vocabulary over there. Just giving you some, you know, giving him some shit. (laughs) But uh, that being said, we're going to dive right into some stories that are going on. And for you guys that haven't been tuning in, you guys should know that Monday through Thursday, we are here weeknights from 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're also broadcasted live after Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis on KGRA from midnight till 2 in the morning. Just Google KGRADDB.com or you can find it anywhere where live stream is going on. I think TalkStream Live is a popular live streaming app. But uh, yesterday's broadcast was very interesting. We talked about a lot of different subjects, but one that seems to be coming up, as we always call this broadcast, your forecast to the future. It seems like the things that we talk about on this broadcast on all of a sudden seem to get covered by the news. And I think a large part of that is because our audience is growing. It's, it's We're one of the few liberty-minded shows that's continuing to grow. We're growing healthily, organically. And the stuff we cover, you don't hear anywhere else. The news you won't hear anywhere else. And we cover a lot of topics you don't hear anywhere else. And when when people listen in, a lot of times they have their own shows, their own podcasts, their journalists or editors or writers for sometimes mainstream outlets. And it's interesting to see because when we cover a topic, it seems within the next week, there's like just a rainfall of articles about the subjects we've we were we wanted to discuss. So one of those subjects we've been discussing and last week we talked about was holograms. There's a whole new company out there that's trying to put holograms. We're talking R2-D2, Save Me Obi-Wan Kenobi, Star Wars, 100% legitimate, just like the movies, holographic technology that is out there. And it's growing. Don and I played a video of it and it's incredible. And I was thinking, you know, it wouldn't be long till this makes it public. And Don's like, well, I think it was already used in the concert. And then yesterday we found out that the lead singer of Queen, Freddie Mercury, who's long past, I think he died of AIDS or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, tragic death. Uh, but he's being brought back in a hologram to perform live with Queen. Pretty interesting. Well, today it was in the news. And you can't make this stuff up. 
holograms are now coming to your college near you. So maybe you're a professor and you can't make it into the classroom. Well, guess what? You're going to just hollow portate yourself because they call them hollow portation devices. I wrote about this 10 years ago that they were working on this and it was a lot more extensive than what they have now. Technology has gotten a lot more efficient, but holograms began beaming into college classrooms. Breaking out of sci-fi movies and into the classrooms, holograms are becoming the latest high-tech tool. And Don, how would you feel if your kid went to college, but the professor wasn't there? They were just a hologram. Uh, well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I think that it's it it's more so about whether or not they're getting a decent education rather than whether or not the person is there in person. I don't think it would bother me that much. Uh, it would more so bother me that these colleges and universities serve as just Marxist indoctrination centers and probably wouldn't be too thrilled if my kid wanted to go to one of those places anyway, unless they actually did their due diligence and their research and was like, okay, I'm going to focus on this particular uh, set of studies and I'm going to be able to discern whether or not they're pulling my chain and you know giving me a whole bunch of propaganda. But I think that when it comes to holographic teachers in the classroom, whether it be on the college level or the just the regular uh, school level, I think that that's probably going to be something that we start to see become a lot more popularized in the near future. Uh, you know, as we continue to see this technology evolve and sort of, uh, you know, disrupt and take away jobs from real people. I mean, unless it's, you know, a hologram of them, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking more like holographic AI sort of synthetic teachers. Well, bro, you could beam yourself into 40 classrooms. You could have yeah. one teacher for a, dozens of colleges. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's the upside of it. You know, if, if used in that way, it could absolutely use to help, you know, proliferate, uh, you know, the the expanse of knowledge and like teaching people things again is so long as they're teaching them actual facts rather than indoctrination of propaganda. Of course. Well, you know, it's going to be indoctrination of propaganda, uh, you know, and you're going to see political leaders. You know what they're going to do? They're going to do, let's say, 500 rallies all at once. They're just going to hollow portate. Uh, to their different rallies and there'll be different rally points or even better yet politicians will just pop up in your home you'll be like hi don by junior guess what are you voting for me are you voting for me why not i will overcome these objections and they'll have like their little ai avatar answering all the questions you know just for them just like uh you know uh the presidential candidate would be you know as you know we have the presidential election coming up and um it'll be interesting to see but this technology is going to be used in a plethora of different ways, Hollow, uh, holograms for colleges and lecturing. And, you know, the Star Wars movie and Star Trek, which has the hollow deck, were both, you know, fascinating things of science fiction for me. The idea that you could go into a room and it could beam everything in 3D to where it almost looks lifelike. And you could experience a fully submersive entertainment option. I think this will revolutionize edu education. Imagine having a 3D holographic x-ray of a body in the medical clinic, because you know that's where they're working on the digital twins. And for our listeners out there that are joining, a digital twin is a downloaded version of yourself into a computer, right? 
they they completely record you your body in 3D and then they take all as much of your knowledge of your brain and they upload it into a computer so that then in the future they can have a hologram of you. Well, they're going to do it through the medical industry we found because what better way to combat diseases than to be able to have a 3D dimensional holographic version of your body that they could surgically dissect, dissect and they have 3D holographic x-rays where they allows them to look at your body and see where the issues are occurring, which is really cool. I mean, it's really cool that they could use that in a positive way. But at the same time, um, there are some concerns. There's some, some definitely some interesting uses for holograms. And at what point will we just not even have a cell phone? We're just going to have a holophone. <laughs> it's just going to pop up a little hologram in your room from your wristwatch. And I'm not saying that's going to happen at all. I mean, they do have Apple Vision Pro. If you, you guys have been sleeping under a rocky and you haven't seen the Apple Vision Pro, it's almost there. We just have contact lenses then in the next step from, uh, you know, the whole uh, Apple Vision Pro. Maybe in 20 years, we'll have contact lenses that do what Apple Vision Pro do, does, maybe less. Yeah, you know, it's the, that, that kind of technology is evolving at a rapid pace. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can certainly see it being one of those situations where it's like even if, it, you know, uh, if if Amazon, for example, gets in on it, which they're probably already in on it, you know, they'll have one of those like Amazon watches or Alexas and then they'll just like beam up a hologram and, you know, talk to you about things. And uh, it's 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 getting well, and that's just it. People aren't even doing the research anymore. We talked right. about this yesterday. How is AI the end of the Internet? Because you won't have to sift through like, let's say, 600 articles to find the information you want. You just ask Alexa. And Alexa finds the answer for you. But does that mean it's the right answer? It's going to, and it's going to really make people's brains mush, I think. My brother does it now. I'll be like, he'll be like, hey, uh, Google, blah, 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 blah. And Google will respond, yes, uh, 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 temperature's 48 degrees outside or whatever he's looking for. Hey, Google, who hit a home run in the 1982 World Series in the game one and inning three? And they'll know. But the question is, is when you ask it, what is weather modification? And they'll say, oh, they're trying to change the climate. It uses nanotech or whatever the Wikipedia. It uses Wikipedia a lot. And Wikipedia yeah. is like colleges don't even accept Wikipedia as a proper answer because just about anyone can edit Wikipedia. Uh, I mean, if you're leftist, if you're liberal, you can edit Wikipedia. Conservatives, <laughs> they just delete the entries. Yeah, That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we've seen that happen. Uh, you know, a number of times where that's the case. And it's just even when I was in high school and we were doing reports, you know, like we were told very specifically, don't cite Wikipedia as your source. It's not a valid source. And now it's just like it's it's crazy to see that that mentality is just completely flipped upside down now. It's like, oh, yeah, Wikipedia is God, basically. You know, it's got all the answers so long as they align with what the government wants you to believe. <laughs> so. We're talking a little bit about college here, but let's roll back to high school, middle school. And there's a reason why I'm going to ask this question. But do you remember in high school, there was that one 18-year-old kid and he had a little bit of more the adult. He used to have the Sports Illustrated girls in his locker and maybe have some of the, you know, Playboy models in his locker once he turned 18. And everyone would be like, bro, wow, you're going to get in trouble with those in the locker. But there's always that one. And technology is getting to the point now where kids are figuring it out faster than adults and they're learning how to do things with images. So Don, let's say your child who's in middle school takes a picture of a girl he fantasizes about, and this happens. We're going to go ahead and put this right on the screen because this happened. 
Beverly Hills middle schoolers circulate an AI-generated nudes of classmates. Yikes. Tons, Tons like shaking his head. He's like, yeah, I didn't see this one come. I saw it coming from a mile I, away. What are kids going to do? They were uh, digging off the penthouses years ago out of their neighbor's backyard, and all the guys would get together and look at it. Now you got Beverly Hills middle schoolers just circulating AI-generated nudes. They find a girl or dude that they like, they take a picture, and then they have AI, oh, what would they look like naked? Right, yeah. You know, it's unfortunately, I saw it coming as well. It's just... It seems to be part and parcel with the advancement of AI technology. I mean, you know, we were just talking a few days ago about some of the the issues that come along with it. And, and you know, I, I brought up, you know, how it was a big story in the media, how there is uh, that one Internet troll who circulated a bunch of very, like, uh, you know, hardcore X-rated uh, AI images of Taylor Swift right before the Super Bowl. And it became a huge story. And, uh, you know, it, this has been a problem for a long time and it's only continuing to get worse. And. Unfortunately, you know, it's, you know, as you mentioned, you know, kids are, they're a lot more privy to being able to figure out technology than adults are, you know, like it's because they're growing up in it and their minds are still developing and they're still, you know, they're, it's, it's like, uh, you know, taking the, the, you know, they're, they're, they're students capable of, you know, like they just learn so damn fast. And so when they're growing up with being surrounded by this technology, like they, they pick it up like that. Whereas, you know, if we're older, you know, and we're sort of set in our ways and like, you know, can still barely figure out, you know, three generations of phones ago, like it's a little more difficult for us to figure out. Well, it reminds me like my father, when he got me the first generation iPhone, he looked, it was Christmas. And he said something around the lines of, I don't know what you need all that shit for. And he, he was happy to buy it for me and get me the gift that I requested, which was I was blessed to have it that year. And it was one of the you know coolest presents I ever got as a first generation iPhone. Um, you know, but he's like, I would never use that. Well, you know, a couple of years went by and just like he would never be on Facebook. He saw an iPhone on uh let's say Craigslist five years later and he bought one. And then before you know it, he was on the Facebook and then he's talking to me. He's like, I'm talking to high school friends. I haven't seen in 30 years or 40 years, you know, and he's all excited about being connected and looking at what all these people he went to school with kids are like, and you know, family members he couldn't be in contact with, but the technology of AI can be very beneficial, but the kids definitely are figuring it out first and it's frightening and it's scary just think about the bullying uh that could be done if they took ai nudes and they just posted them all around the uh, or all around the school school and it might not even be what the girl looked like or the dude looks like they could you know ai can make things probably a little bit different than what things are right yeah you know it's it's one of those things that unfortunately it sort of goes hand in hand with the 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 over sexualization of the youth and uh, you know, this has been a problem that's been going on for over 20 years. You know, I mean, you know, for for people who I, I don't know, like how many people remember back when they were in middle school. But I have this very distinct memory of back when I was in uh, elementary school. Actually, I was in the fifth grade. So I was about 10 years old and I overheard some classmates of mine talking about some very raunchy X-rated subjects. And even at the, even at that age, I knew what it was because we were exposed to it even then. And so, you know, that's 20 years ago, back when I was in elementary school. I can only imagine the type of shit going on now, dude. It's, it's really scary. Well, it is scary. And 
the the access children have like like i said we used to have to dig up a magazine that uh you know one of our friends got from his older brother who was 21 you know and uh that's the only reason why we had access to something like that and not everyone had it we we all got together to to go oh that's what it looks like or whatever you know here now kids have the internet they have complete access to the hubs right the hamsters and everything else that people are into, the plenty of fishes, dating sites, the tinders, you know, they have access to all that trash. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and it's so, it's so damaging. And, you know, it's, it's always one of those subjects, like it's only just now sort of coming into the public conversation of the, the real science and research that's been done that shows the kind of mental and psychological damage that overconsumption of pornography does to the human brain of adults, of grown adults, not not to mention even kids who are exposed to it and the kind of astronomical damage that it does to them. And it's only just now sort of entering the public conversation about legislation and restriction of those sites and how to keep kids off those sites and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, well, what about the fact that they... That let's take this a step further. So they AI-generated nudes. Well, how long will it be till they create an AI-generated act of sexual encounter? And right. is that considered child, you know... Uh, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just say, uh, you know, that that's like a serious crime. Right, exactly. Because we don't want to set off and, all the algorithms and censorship right. by saying what we were about to say. But if you're a viewer right, or listener, but, I'll let your imagination think about what this AI generation can do. Because we know that we know now that they have AI like Adobe Premiere, where it just creates a movie. You t- put the text what you want the movie to be, and it creates it. It looks lifelike, right? We played the videos last week. If you guys haven't seen those episodes, you go to rumble.com forward slash the rundown live, kgradb.com, or just go to the rundown live.com, the rundown live.com, the rundown live.com. All the videos are there, but we had an episode where AI generates movies. And I said, Don, this is kind of cool because if you write a movie script, you could put it in and it could create the movie for you. Or better yet, maybe there's a movie that they screwed up like the Lord of the Rings by not having Tom Bombadil in it. Or maybe like Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. You just upload the whole book and it'll customize and make the movie just like the book. The whole script is there and it will give you a visual interpretation of that book. But is this the death of books? Because now when you type something, it'll just generate a video, and you can watch the video of any book. Right. Well, you know, that's an interesting concept to, to go towards as well because it it, it folds into the over-digitization of, uh, of media, of just everything. You know, there was a post that I shared on my Facebook page a couple days ago uh, where it was talking about how um, – the, the movie 20, I think it was 28 Weeks Later, uh, which is a, a horror movie, it's a really good zombie movie, uh, is not yeah, available. There is no such on... thing as a really good zombie movie, just so everyone knows. <laughs> Fake news. But anyway, so the movie, <laughs> it's not available on any sort of streaming service. Maybe Dead Alive. Maybe Dead Alive. Eh, maybe. <laughs> maybe Dead Alive. Um, but the post was talking about how that movie is not available on any streaming services, and so it's, it's talking about how the importance of owning physical media, of owning DVDs or flash drives or just some kind of physical media because when we have everything condensed into this digital space it's so easy to lose things and you know it's only continuing to get worse as companies like or stores like best buy and walmart and target they're doing away with physical media they're doing away with dvds and things of that nature you know game stores like gamestop you know they're starting to phase out physical copies of games because everything's on uh, you know everything's digital now you digital download from the playstation store or something like that and, uh, you know, 
it just it it's you know this continued digitization of everything is playing right into the hands of the you will own nothing and be happy easy bugs everything will be nfts right we talked about that another broadcast when the brain chip interface where they said that uh, people will actually be hackable that you'll be able to share memories by just downloading them to other people and this is like right up there with the ai generated nudes of a classmate maybe a classmate will have uh, some kind of relations with another individual and they'll be able to share that memory and everyone in the class will know what it's like to be with that person that's scary if they all had brain chips, of course, you know, but the thing is they're moving towards what's called non-invasive brain computer interfaces where the brain chips won't even be necessary because everyone has, you know, smart stuff. That's the nanoparticles in their body, you know, so they can develop networks with them and then collect metadata and communicate. It's interesting, but that's where we're going. And then the NFT in your mind will trick your mind because you have a computer chip in your brain. Because we talked about this yesterday, right? I don't want to be a serial cheater. I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying that was the article and that they wanted a brain chip to, to stop it. Neuralink could do that. I said, if Neuralink could do that and stop somebody from cheating, what else could it do? Well, if it could beam video or create an uh, mixed reality with NFTs, you could always feel like you live in a mansion, right? Because in your brain, you will feel like it's that large and you can just hang all your NFTs. But when you come back to this real world, you're going to be like, oh, this place is actually really small. It's just a single room or whatever it is. But, you know, it's scary thought that children are, are now figuring this out. And like I said, it won't be long till these AI-generated nudes of classmates turn into AI-generated nude videos of classmates right. committing some kind of fornication. Right, yeah, you know? And uh, I think it, it really comes down to, like, the, the parents need to do a better job of, of, one, figuring out this technology. Like, if, if you don't understand precisely what your kids are utilizing and how they're utilizing it, then you can't like understand how to properly tell them like, look, you don't do this shit and, and just be involved in your kids' lives because like, that's one of the things like, Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's this, you know, going into the over-sexualization of children and just, you know, kids acting like friggin' delinquents in general. Uh, you know, the parents are not as involved and, you know, of course, you know, the conversation can go into, you know, branch into a number of different subjects. You know, I talk a lot about the science behind uh, that shows that recent neurological studies show that like spanking is perceived by the brain of a child as the same thing as abuse. Like it's the exact same neurological response and it processes it the same. And so there are these people out there that, oh, we don't spank kids anymore. So that's why they're all, you know, this generation so shitty. And I'm like, I, I actually 
you know, the, the science says otherwise. And I posit an alternative theory that the reason why this generation and, and generations continue to get progressively worse is because there's a constant buildup of generational trauma, because we also understand that as people become traumatized, their genes adapt to that trauma. And those genes can be passed on from uh, parent to child. This is newly developing science that we're only just beginning to understand. It's called epigenetic. We learned about that a lot when we discovered yeah. the Monarch and MK Ultra program that these abuses are used to condition and train, and even offspring will react to the training. Um, it's, it's, it's spread through DNA right. is so what you're point, talking about. Right, correct. Yeah, so my point being is that you know parents need to be more involved with their kids, first of all, and they need to learn more compassionate ways of raising small humans. Because at the end of the day, kids are small humans, man. Like if, if you're if you're a grown ass person, you go into work and you mess up. Does your boss come up to you and just thwack you in the head as a corrective measure? Hopefully not. But is John, that are you saying that you like a little thing right? every once in a while? You don't like someone to come up and just give you a good little wallop on the rear? <laughs> No, it doesn't mess not, with in, you, bro. not in that capacity. <laughs> yeah, just messing with you, just messing with you. Like, uh, but seriously, like, there's some serious concerns there about how yeah. they, you know, how you treat people amongst other things and the way things are, you know, done and handled. So, um, I think that it's pretty interesting, but at the same point, uh, we should be weary about and know how we treat our kids and be respectful and treat them like. We want to be treated. I was like, my parents didn't spare the rod per se. And I turned out all right. And I didn't hate them, but they didn't abuse me with it per se. They didn't like to start wailing on me. But um, on the same subject of schooling and parents keeping in track of what their kids are doing on school, some interesting things and some parents are. A college is removing its vending machines after students discovered they were using facial recognition why do vending machines need facial recognition well everything seems to be going that way don everything seems to be facial recognition and the university of waterloo is expected to remove smart vending machines from its campus the students discovered an error code that suggests the machines use facial recognition technology adaria vending services said the technology didn't take or store customers photos allegedly so my first question is what the hell is a smart vending machine well, you know, I, it's not smart. Right. It, it's 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 going to be one of those things where facial recognition, they're going to know everywhere you go. It's going to know what candy bar you want before you get there, and it's going to be highlighted for you. And it's going to be like, oh, he's got the money, and it's going to charge you when you walk by, and the candy bar is going to shoot out, and it's going to be like, I already know what you're going to get. Right, yeah, you know, it's... I don't know anything well, healthy that ever came out of a vending machine. I'm just <laughs> nothing, not a thing. Well, yeah, I like actually, that laugh. I, I, know like, are, I know it's true. I know there are there are a couple of vending machines that have like fruit in them. I've seen them, so I know that there's at least. A, but then maybe it's GMO fruit. You never know. <laughs> right. So you just never know. But I kind of want to segue into our next segment uh, and talk about the Rothschild banking dynasty. Mm -hmm. Dan Dix is going to be joining us at the top of the second hour here, and. He put out in a pretty impressive video. That video, which we're going to share with you on the screen here in just a moment, breaks down some of the history and some of the weird, bizarre things that the Rothschilds were into. I wanted to go ahead and show you this. Did you know that they had a surrealist ball where they had like baby body parts just hanging out on the dinner table and just the bizarrest thing. 
uh, that you've ever seen. And people are like, oh, man, it's just a normal uh, Rothschild. It's called Party Animals, the Rothschild Surrealist Ball. And look at some of these costumes. This is what the wealthy uh, you know, are dressing in. But look at that. They have a, a, a naked dead mannequin with a ro roses and a couple of a dude with multiple faces. Um, you got uh, a lady with like a Baphomet deer mask. And it looks like uh, Lord Rothschild there. And they even have uh, like, what is it? A baby on the dinner table, baby parts. It's just fascinating. Uh, but why would you like, why? Why? Look at this. This is crazy. They got like a creepy child, like broken up baby parts from baby toys all over the dinner table with a bunch of, you know, glasses and veils all around them. So the Rothschild family has been rumored to be in some bizarre things. The movie Eyes Wide Shut was allegedly in part was filmed at the Rothschild mansion, but also uh, was believed to be somewhat based on some truth of what it was like to be involved with this uh, dynasty who's also involved and a lot of secret societies, allegedly, right? Right, yeah. You know, I've always contended that uh, Scorsese, I think it was Scorsese, wasn't it, uh, that did Eyes Wide Shut, that he was trying to uh, tell, us, tell something us something with that movie. Yeah, you know, so because we, we so often see, like, the predictive programming and propaganda put into Hollywood, and every once in a while you get a little nugget. Uh, even if it's probably trying to propagandize you into thinking that behavior is acceptable, it's still, like, telling you, hey, this is the kind of weird shit that they're into behind the scenes. Well, right. Like, check this out, dude. Like, let's have little, like, broken baby parts on our dinner table. Who wants to eat with that? Like, I mean, come on. Come on, maybe they're just... Uh, maybe that's where Marina Abramovic got her spirit cooking ideas. She's like, yeah, I was hanging out with the Rothschilds and we were making some baby. She does, she does know Lord Jacob Rothschild. There's that There's that. That famous picture of the two of them standing in front of that uh, Renaissance painting of Satan. Yeah, so I, I do know that. And before we do that and we get to our guest here at the top of the second hour, I wanted to play Dan Dix's video. First of all, I want to mention, I've known Dan now probably for 12 years and... I've met him in person multiple times, and I have to say, I've always been really impressed by him. He's done a really good job. He does Press for Truth out of Canada. I met him, at, I think, for the first time in 2015 at the RNC, I believe, was the first time I actually met him, other than him being a guest on the Rundown Live when we were just some dudes out of our living room, um, you know, sitting on our couch doing broadcasts every night and nobody else was doing live stream streaming, you know, 14, 13 years ago, just that we were like one of the first people doing on a truth broadcasting network, which was set up by Harry link. And it was basically YouTube live and Facebook live before they even did live video streaming. And we did it with like, you know, uh, you know, different webcams. And so Dan Dix has always uh, like, has, has always been epitome of great on the ground citizen journalism, hardcore, raw information, and somebody who goes and gets the truth. He did a documentary on the Bilderberg Group in 2012. I bumped into him in 2017, and he was always cool, always welcomed us to, into his group and circle and introduced us to cool people when we hung out, and he's always been kind of like a brother in liberty. So that being said, I wanted to play uh, this awesome video he put together that's uh, starting to go semi-viral um, I'm seeing it in several locations, and I think it's a very interesting recap on a lot of the things that are going on with the Rothschild family. A lot of things that people just don't know about the big banking world and what these people have 
available to them. And the it, I believe it's called the love of money is the root of all evil. And here it is. We're going to go ahead and we're going to play this video for you guys. And then when we come back, we're going to have Dan Dix joining us. And so share the live link, get in the chat, drop some comments in the chat. And for those that are tuning in just now, you're listening to The Rundown Live on KGRADB.com, live after ground zero from midnight till 2 a.m. So here we go. Let's check this out. We got uh, Dan Dix here for the uh, breaking down the love of money is the root of all evil, Jacob Rothschild. This is Dan Dix here reporting for Press for Truth with breaking news. Jacob Rothschild, the international financier and globalist bankster, has died at the age of 87. This man right here and his family are the ones who are responsible for this current debt-based system that we are all living in. They are the ones who came up with this whole idea of fractional reserve lending. The idea of creating money out of thin air, lending it out to people, and then charging interest on these loans that were created by money that was generated out of nothing. This is largely the reason why if you find yourself today struggling to buy a home, struggling to you know, afford to even buy food in comparison to what it was like for your grandparents, well, this man and his family are largely to thank for that ladies and gentlemen. And uh, here he is seen <clears throat> with Mariana Abramovic posing with Jacob Rothschild in front of this painting that just so happens to be called Satan Summoning His Legions. Um, and in case you didn't know, uh, Mariana Abramovic uh, claims to just be a performance artist. Uh, but this woman here is a modern day witch who practices black magic. Here she is seen at the age of 65. She's 77 today, but this picture was taken 12 years ago. Um, again, she just says, you know, oh, it's 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 just performance art what I'm engaged in. Nothing to see here. Here she is seen with uh, Lady Gaga at a spirit cooking event where they feast off of, you know, chocolate sauce, off the naked body of a corpse, you know? Nothing to see here, guys. Just simply performance art. That's all it is. You know, I, I think it's very telling, the company that one keeps with themselves. And the people that this man was close to is very revealing about his character as well. Here he is seen with David Rockefeller. These two guys right here together are largely responsible for all the major wars we are seeing uh, today and have over the past you know century and and a lot of the the suffering that the world is dealing with today but 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 they're both dead there is a passing of the guards happening right now a a you know a, a, a passing on of the eternal torch the flame of uh, the eternal flame the torch is being passed you know you got guys like their buddy henry kissinger who has recently kicked the bucket. Jacob Rothschild, David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger. You've got the queen who has recently died. The king is, uh, you know, likely on his way out soon as well. And in case you guys didn't know, this is Jacob Rothschild's cousin, Evan de Rothschild, Evelyn, poking the future king in the chest. And then not long after that, his cousin Jacob is seen here receiving an award from the future 
king. So if you have any doubt about the sheer power and, and influence of this particular family, you will not have any more doubt by the end of this video, guys. I want to show you this video I put out in 2017. Um, proof the Rothschilds purchased Jerusalem and created Israel. I won't show you the video. I'll actually, actually show you the physical document that I have in my possession that proves this to be exactly the case. Um, but I do want to show you this video that I filmed way back in April of 2012 called The Money Changers Then and Now, where I go over the history of the Rothschild banking family and why it's important to understand this today. So guys, we're going to cover all of this and much, much more in this video. But really quickly, before we do, I'd ask that you check me out here at pressfortruth.ca slash donate if you appreciate my efforts to bring you this info, guys. Here you can do a one-time donation with PayPal. Uh, you can do Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Um, you can join me uh, here for a monthly reoccurring contribution. Um, you can do the same here on Subscribestar. Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. Whatever is within your means is very greatly appreciated, guys. You can also send an e-transfer to dan at pressfortruth.ca. Or if you like to keep things old school, as I do, you can send stuff to my P.O. box, guys. Links for all of this is located in the description below. Thank you so much to everybody who takes some time to support my efforts here at Press for Truth. All right, guys, let's start with this. This is from the Times of Israel. British banker and Israel patron Jacob Rothschild dies. At the age of 87, British financier Jacob Rothschild, a senior member of one of Europe's best-known banking dynasties, has died at the age of 87, his family announces. The family, in a statement to the UK's Press Association news agency, calls the Rothschilds a towering presence in many people's lives. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of an understatement. This man's influence is over literally every single person's on this planet's life. Like if you're watching this video, he's affected your life. If somebody's not watching this video, he's affected their lives through his system of fiat banking that him and his family set up. Um, he was a superbly accomplished financier. <laughs> yeah. More like a wizard of finance, you know, who was like demonically driven to continue his all out lust for power, a champion of the arts and culture. Yeah, that's why he's pictured here with this champion of the arts, right? Uh, this this Satanist witch uh, who he uh, liked to uh, uh, be friends with. A devoted public servant he was, passionate supporter of charitable causes in Israel and Jewish culture. <laughs> we'll get to that. Keen environmentalist and much-loved friend, father, and grandfather, the family says. Rothschild. Born in England in 1936, started his career at the family bank, N.M. Rothschild & Sons, in 1963, before going on to co-found J. Rothschild Assurance Group, which became today's London-based wealth manager at St. James uh, Place. They've skipped over a lot of information when it comes to the history of this particular family. So I want to show you, we'll just give you a, a five-minute taste of this video that I published back in April of 2012, called The Money Changers Then and Now. Here's a little snippet of the brief uh, history of the Rothschild banking dynasty, a uh, video I put out, uh, what, 12 years ago now. 
Check it out. In order to have a solid understanding of how this current debt-based system operates, we must first look back at history to see where this all began. The first man to popularize the idea of lending out money that doesn't exist was Meyer Amschel Bauer. Meyer Amschel was born in Frankfurt, Germany in 1743. He was the son of Moses Amschel Bauer, a money lender and goldsmith, who decided to open up a new shop known as a counting house. Over the door leading into this shop, he placed a large red shield. At a very early age, Meyer Amschel Bauer showed that he possessed immense intellectual ability, and his father taught him everything he could about the money lending business. A few years after his father's death, Meyer Amschel Bauer went to work as a clerk in a bank owned by the Oppenheimers in Hanover. His superior ability was quickly recognized and he quickly advanced within the firm. Shortly after his days at the bank in Hanover, he returned to Frankfurt where he was able to purchase the business that his father had established in 1750. At the beginning of his empire, he decided to change his name. The sign on the front of his goldsmith's office, or bank, was a large red shield which was placed there by his father. And since this is where his legacy began, he decided to change his name to Rothschild, which is German for red shield. The beginning of the House of Rothschild dynasty took place in the 1760s when Meyer Amschel Rothschild renewed his acquaintance with General von Eastorf. Rothschild worked for General Eastorf while employed at the Oppenheimer Bank. When Rothschild discovered that the general, who was now attached to the court of Prince William of Hanu, was interested in rare coins, he took full advantage of the situation. By offering valuable coins at a discount price, he soon integrated himself with the general and other influential members of the court. One day, His Highness Prince William bought a handful of his rarest metals and coins. This was the first transaction between a Rothschild and a head of state. Meyer Amschel Rothschild became an agent for the prince, and when William was forced to flee Denmark, he left 600,000 pounds, then valued at around $3 million, with Rothschild for safekeeping. History shows that Rothschild embezzled the money from Prince William, and he used it to vastly expand his empire and to become the first international banker. In 1770, Rothschild married and had a large family consisting of five sons and five daughters. His sons were Amschel, Solomon, Nathan, Carl, and Jacob. Rothschild had trained all of his sons in the art of money lending, just like his father did with him. He had sent his son Nathan to England to take care of the family business in that country. With their huge accumulation of wealth, the family established branches of the House of Rothschild in Berlin, Vienna, Paris, and Naples. When Meyer Amschel Rothschild died on September 19, 1812, he left a will in which he laid down specific laws by which the house that bore his name would operate. All key positions in the house of Rothschild were to be held by members of the family only and not by hired hands. Only male members of the family were allowed to participate in the business. The eldest son of the eldest son was to be the head of the family unless the majority of the rest of the family agreed otherwise. It was for this exceptional reason that Nathan, who was particularly brilliant, was appointed head of the House of Rothschild in 1812. The family was to intermarry with their first and second cousins in order to preserve the vast fortune. Amschel forbid his heirs most explicitly in any circumstance whatever to have any public inventory made by the courts or otherwise of my estate. 
Also, I forbid any legal action and any publication of the value of the inheritance. Anyone who disregards these provisions and takes any kind of action which conflicts with them will immediately be regarded as having disputed the will and shall therefore suffer the consequences of doing so. Needless to say, the House of Rothschild had established itself as an incredibly wealthy, powerful, and secretive family. They were ruthless in all business ventures, and they still are to this day driven by an all-consuming lust for wealth and power. So there you have a, a, a brief history of the Rothschild banking family, guys. If you want to see the uh, full video, uh, you can check the link in the description below. Um, but as I said earlier, too, I wanted to show you uh, this Niles Weekly Register uh, newspaper that I have in my possession, ladies and gentlemen. I just wanted to uh, uh, read from it for you here today. I have the um, Certificate of authentic Authentication uh, to show you that this thing is indeed very, very real. This is from the year 1829, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, when I open it up right here to the uh, third page, it says this, Jerusalem. There is a report that the Rothschilds have purchased Jerusalem. We see nothing improbable that in the procurinary distress of the Sultan that he should sell some part of his domains to preserve the rest, or that the Rothschilds should purchase the ancient capital of their nation. They are wealthy beyond their desire, perhaps even of avarice, and so situated it is quite reasonable to suppose that they may seek something else to gratify their ambition that shall produce most important effects. If secured in the possession, and which may be brought about by money, they might instantly, as it were, gather a large nation together, soon to become capable of defending itself and having a wonderful influence over the commerce and condition of the East, rendering Judea again the place of the deposit of the large portion of the wealth of the ancient world. To the Sultan, the contrary is of no great value, but in the hands of the Jews, directed by such men as the Rothschilds, what might not it become in a short period of time? The Sultan is in great difficulty. Baron Rothschild was proceeding to Constantinople, and a second rebuilding of the, of the temple is not among some of the most strange things expected in these strange times by some of the Jews. Again, this is a Niles Weekly Register from the year 1829, talking about how the Rothschilds have purchased Jerusalem, how they have a major influence back then, they're saying this, when they could get away with saying these things in the press, having a major influence uh, over you know, uh, commerce and may one day set up a rebuilding of uh, the, you know, the, the, the temple. You see, these guys have... Uh, you know, agendas that progress far in b beyond uh, their 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 own life that they even realize they might not see the the fulfillment of their agendas in their own lifetime, and uh, that's why it's important to remember that uh, yes, this man has passed, and I I I do not take any joy in in the perishing of anybody who is going to have the fate that this man is going to have. Where he's heading right now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't wish upon anyone. Um, but let it be known that, you know, there's a new generation. His his kids 
you know, um, uh, Rockefeller's kids, Kissinger's, the, the, the Queen's. Uh, there is a, pa a passing of the torch, as I said. And unfortunately, this younger generation hasn't gone through multiple world wars like this guy has. They are ready and hungry and, and ready to take the reins in their position of power. So before everybody, you know, cheers this day that Lord Jacob Rothschild is dead, let's just remember it's, it's simply a passing of the torch that is happening here today. And uh, we have to continue to follow uh, this this man's, you know, bloodline who has been running the show uh, for a long, long time, as I showed you in that little uh, piece of uh, history that I documented way back in 2012. So just wanted to bring all of this to your attention today, ladies and gentlemen. I want to let you know uh, right now that um, if you are watching this on anywhere other than Rumble, I'm going to try something new today. As soon as I'm done this video, I'm going to go live on my Rumble channel and present all of this information again live. So if you're watching this right now anywhere other than Rumble and you want to make sure you catch the next one live when I do it, make sure you subscribe to me on Rumble. Uh, there will be a, a link in the description below. So um, yeah, I just wanted to bring all that to your attention, guys. Once again, if you appreciate my efforts to do so, don't forget to check me out here at pressfortruth.ca slash donate. You can find a link for that in the description as well. And that's all for today. Please uh, click that thumbs up button. Share this video with your friends and family who you think need to see it the most. And stay tuned, guys. We're going to have more video reports coming soon, God willing. This is Dan Dix reporting for Press for Truth. We all want truth. That being said, the changing of the guard. Man, there has been a lot of death this last year. I don't know if we should the really truth. celebrate uh, any of these evil people dying. Zygnu Brzezinski, Henry Kissinger, uh, David Rockefeller. Uh, now you got uh, Jacob Rothschild. But it is a changing of the guard. Like, we have no clue what we're getting into. But to tell us. Dan Dix. Welcome to the broadcast, Dan Dix. Welcome to the Rundown Live. Long time guest. I'm glad to have you on, man, as we grow. Uh, you're still around. All the hardcore people are still around. And, man, I, I'm glad to see you're still doing the good work. You too, man. Uh, I feels like we've been I, – I think I first met you, like, gosh, I don't know. It feels like a long time ago, 10, 12, 15 years. I don't know. It's been a while. So you're one of the one of the OGs as well. It's good to see you still kicking it as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people like me and Don sat around one day and we're like, where did everyone go? It's like yeah. all of a sudden, you know, there's all these original influencers. We used to call them what? Celebritarians? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of come and go throughout this thing. A lot of people kind of uh, get, get into it for a couple of years and then they kind of just fade away. I don't know. Life happens, whatever. And they move on. But on, it's unfortunate because we need more like us who are you know, keeping at it, sticking to the grind, trying to trying to continue to do this stuff. So glad to well, see so you. It's overcoming those evil algorithms. And, you you know, it takes a lot of chiseling away. You know, we're making headways over here. We're still growing at the Rundown Live. You know, I've been filling over, filling in over at InfoWars occasionally. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase You know, for uh, Harrison Smith on American Journal, I see that you've been on Jones's show uh, a lot lately. So, uh, you know, your stuff has been blowing up. And it's funny because uh, a lot of people just gave up after all the algorithms and censorship. And here we are today. Dan Dix is still making waves. And the thing is, is you, there's a whole generation now, Dan, of people that have no idea about what we're talking about. It's weird to think that there's people that are born today that are getting involved. They know nothing about 9-11. They know yeah. nothing about Bilderberg. They know nothing about Bohemian Grove. And it's, I feel weird always talking about it every couple of years or every year annually. It's like, well, do I really want to talk about this? Because... I've talked about it so much. Everyone's probably heard it. And no, they haven't. They haven't. And technology is getting creepy. It's getting crazy creepy. I go through the same thing where sometimes I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself because I've, it's like something will come up and I'll be like, I've reported on this like a dozen times over the last, you know, 10 years or so. But there's so many new people watching all the time. Uh, and especially, especially since YouTube really kicked into their censorship overdrive, like in, you know, 2015, 16, 2017, and we all started migrating to these other platforms, you know, that was around the time when, uh, you know, I started looking at it, the, the censorship anyways, as more of a blessing, you know, it, it's like a blessing in disguise, because now we're building up our BitChute, our Rumble, our Odyssey, you know, our Minds, you know, all, all these other platforms that are decentralized, some of them. And uh, are much, much better to be on anyways. So, Well, yeah, and it's like target market. Thanks. Thanks, YouTube. And, yeah, it sucks that we don't get that YouTube paycheck anymore, but it's dirty money anyways, if you ask me. They don't support liberty and freedom. But uh, the reason why we asked you to come on the show is we just played your video on our broadcast. And for the listeners at home that listen to the audio stream on KGRA, uh, they heard uh, your presentation on the Rothschild banking dynasty. And there's a lot that's left out. Like I could dive into the how they made their money during Napoleon and uh, fraudulently reporting that Napoleon um, won the war, but when he really lost and they made all that money by, and then bought up a bunch of property that was lost in the stock market when it crashed on pennies on the dollar. That's a cool story actually, when he famously hangs his head down low because he got word about the results of the war. He starts selling off some of his stock, Nathan Rothschild. And then everybody's like, oh, he must know what happened. And they started selling too. And then all of a sudden the Rothschild on the back end started buying it all up, pennies on the dollar. It was it was probably one of the Rothschild's most brilliant um, moves in terms of manipulating the stock market. And that was Nathan Rothschild, one of the five sons of Meyer Amschel Rothschild, who came up with that whole scheme and totally robbed the- It wasn't the even their market. money. They like borrowed it from Germany, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> embezzled money in the first place. So they're they're, they were really watching or protecting Germany's money because they're worried that they're going to get overrun by Napoleon. And then they used that money to buy up all the land on the pennies of the dollar. And they didn't even have to use their own money. They borrowed somebody's else and Germany probably got nothing out of that. Yeah, we like you said, we could probably spend, you know, quite a long time going over the history of the bad things that this family has has done, you know, but I, I, I kind of wanted to just keep that video a little bit to the, the, 
you know, the, the specifics about um, uh, fractional reserve lending, that whole system that, that his family is essentially uh, responsible for designing and coming up with. That's why I called them wizards of finance uh, by coming up with this stuff. Uh, so, and, th and then that's the big thing, you know, you always follow the money and that's why we're constantly led to the Rothschilds. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, uh, what is fractional reserve lending and uh, how did the like, well, let's start with the origins, the banking dynasty, like they weren't the, the full original bank here in the United States. I know that the uh, shifts, it was a Jacob shift. Uh, he came here on behalf of the Rothschilds, came to the United States and bought up uh, most of the media uh, started buying politicians on the left and right and trying to buy, buy he bought into Keenan Loeb, I believe was his original investment. And they slowly started to influence, you know, influence uh, everything in the United States. But uh, I don't, a lot of our listeners don't understand the foundation of the Federal Reserve. We haven't had G. Edward Griffin on. I got to have him on. And my girl just started eating like B, vitamin B17 apricot seeds. So I was like, I got to invite on, you know, G. Edward Griffin. Everyone knows he's famous for uh, the apricot seeds and the vitamin B17, but also his book, Creature from Jekyll Island. But uh, bring us back. Uh, so what's the process and how did the Rothschilds really uh, do this? Well, you can take this way, way back. You know, it was Moses Amishile Bauer, who in 1750 was a goldsmith. He essentially had a changing house or, or a bank, essentially. And it was back before banks when these um, uh, goldsmiths had the idea of setting up essentially a vault because, you know, people, you know, wanted to put their gold and their silver somewhere safe. And they said, I can do that for you you know, let's do that here, you know, charge a little fee for holding it or whatever. And that's fine. And, and in receipt, in, in, you know, in uh, when you deposit your gold, you would get a piece of paper, a little receipt that would say this is how much he has. And it was a great little system. Well, what happened was people started to realize in the marketplace that when they wanted to go buy something, it was a heck of a lot easier to just give the person the receipt itself. Instead of going and getting out the physical gold and doing all that, he would just say, this is as good as gold, this receipt right here. You can go get the gold yourself. And they started trading with the receipts instead of the actual gold. So the goldsmiths realized this and they said, wait a minute here. Half the, like more than half, hardly anybody who deposits their gold ever comes back. To, to, to get it at a certain point, you know? So they realized we can start issuing out more receipts than we actually have gold for, and nobody will be the wiser. And so they started doing exactly that. And way back then, it's the same as it is today. If everybody catches on to this and they go into the bank at the same time and they try to get their gold, it's not going to be there. And they may be caught off guard by that, but they set that up way back then when they were issuing gold receipts and the market realized it's easier to trade with them. They manipulated the market by issuing more than they had. And that was essentially the beginning of fractional reserve lending. Now, you, you fast forward to today and, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, banks were allowed to lend out for every dollar they got. They could lend out ten dollars. Well, now I think I don't even think there's a cap on it. I think for every dollar they can they get, they can lend out, you know, hundreds of dollars if they want. This is. Money that is created out of thin air, it is essentially ledgers on a computer, you know, it's not backed by anything real, no physical gold or anything. Um, so it, it's gone a long way from the days of the goldsmiths getting people to, uh, you know, use their receipts instead of gold. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, a, I, I guess, a little, a little rundown of the history of it. But as I said, now, for every dollar they get, they can lend out hundreds of fictional money. It's just numbers on a screen. 
and they charge real interest on these loans because you have to sign over something, right? The, the fishing line out is here, let's give you uh, the loan, but you have to sign out real collateral, your house or your land. And when all of a sudden the interest rates go up and you can't pay back what you owe, they can take the real wealth, the real money, the land, the houses, the farming, all that stuff. So it's a, a, a brilliant system that they have set up here. That's why I, I called them wizards of finance to come up with such a thing. Uh, and as I said, as it is today, if, if people realize that this is how it works, um, they would probably run to the bank tomorrow and try to take it out as quick as they can. And I think, every, you know, the, the globalists worry about that. It's called a bank run. You know, it, it can potentially potentially happen. And uh, we haven't been there yet. So I don't know what's going to happen if, if a bank run happens. But um, we're on the brink of that happening at any point. You know, hopefully people realize what's up, though. Well, but, it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned that. So, so for the listeners out there, that's like me saying, hey, I got friends that want to borrow money. But for every one dollar I have, I can loan out a thousand just because I have that one dollar. I can loan out a thousand dollars I don't have. And then if they don't pay me back. I can come and get maybe their cool like Les Paul guitar or some comic books they have value or whatever. And then they get tangible assets from absolutely nothing. It's making money out of thin air, essentially. That's and they're charging interest on those loans, too. Even if they don't collect the collateral, they're still get getting interest on these loans all this time that was created out of thin air. So it's essentially the most it's essentially the most ingenious, nefarious scam of wealth consolidation in the history of humanity, really. I mean, you know, we can look back at ancient times and we see plenty of kings attempted to control the flow of gold. But, you know, the, the Rothschilds really ended up uh, perfecting it in a way of just, you know, buying up and eating up all the land and the wealth of the individual just for, you know, to establish this system of control, essentially. Yeah. And then calling things that are private you know, like the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve and things well, of that nature was a pretty brilliant move as well. <laughs> you know, well, it's not yeah. federal and it's not a reserve, you know, exactly. essentially, because if you only have to have one dollar for every 10 that you loan out. And I do want to briefly shout out for folks who want to learn more about the Federal Reserve. I absolutely recommend James Corbett's documentary uh, Century of Enslavement History of the Federal Reserve. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Well, this is a Federal Reserve was like past what, 19... Was it 11 or 1912 or 1913? Is one of those yeah. three years? I can't, I know it's one of those three years uh, for so sure. They were, I think. they were meeting on Jekyll Island all the way back in 1910, and then it was around in the Woodrow Wilson administration in around 1912, 1913, where they officially passed the Federal Reserve Act. Uh, 1913, December 23rd, right before yeah. Christmas, when everyone was probably with their family. Mm hmm. Ah, that seems legit. It, it's interesting to talk about the gold and the handling of gold. And, you know, the Knights Templar were very much uh, involved in the banking dynasty of old that ties into secret societies as well as, you know, the Rothschilds are heavily involved with secret societies. They had that eyes wide shot-esque parties at their home. They're involved in uh, allegedly like some kind of like Luciferian, satanic Luciferianism. Uh, you know, their their house has always been referred to as the Thousand Points of Light, which is a, a reference and a plug to Nimrod. Nimrod yep. is uh, the first sun deity, and it was Nimrod, the sun deity, and his wife, Semiramis, the moon goddess. That's where you get Lady on the Moon. 
from uh, Miller, like we drink Miller Light, and it has the Lady on the Moon that represents Semiramis, and their thousand points of light are the stars in the heavens, and that's why the Rothschilds have a thousand points of lights allegedly in the mansion in their home that they have, where they have these weird swinger-esque style masquerade parties that allegedly Eyes Wide Shut was based off of. Well, even in the early 14th century, to join the Knights of the uh, of the Templar, you would have to sign over your wealth to them. You would have to sign over your your money and your land. But that wasn't a problem for people at the time because, you know, they they thought it was a noble, respectable thing to be a part of of, of the Knights Templar. But in that way, they too were also able to amass this massive, massive amount of wealth. And that's the thing when when you get that kind of money. Uh, you get an insane amount of power, right? Because, you know, when you get to the point where you can literally print it, then that's just about as as powerful as you can get. But it will never be enough for these guys. I don't know if you've noticed. And what's interesting, where it really leads down the rabbit holes in the 1700s, uh, Freemasons uh, uh, basically rescinded Knights Templar's rights to vote in the Masonic lodges, giving them strict observance rights. And a guy named Adam Weishaupt then uh, gobbled up thousands of Knights Templar members into his organization, which was later known as the Bavarian Illuminati, hence the banker tie to the Illuminati, or at least the alleged tie. As we know, the House of Rothschild also funded that nefarious organization. Yeah, a lot of them went underground. They say, you know, the Templars just dissipated back when uh, I think it was at 1307 or something. Jacques de Millet had them, uh, uh, you know, burned at the stake and everything. They didn't just disappear. You know, they they went underground. And, and Scotland, some of them went America? on to the Bavarian Illuminati. Some of them went on to Scotland and formed the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. I mean, <laughs> this stuff has, has continued throughout the centuries. Um, and to just bring it back to the Rothschilds, I mean, at this day and age, there's not too many places on earth that are not under the con- direct control of the Rothschilds through some sort of centralized bank that they've set up. Do you think that there's a big challenge now to the Rothschilds, though? Because I've noticed, like, back when I used to listen to, like, Byron C. Fagan vinyl and read his books, because I have some of his books even here, right here near me, I uh, actually like some of his like how to tra- uh, how to how the world is going to transform into a, a police state amongst other things he talked a lot about how the Rothschilds were buying up the movie industry and everything else but now it seems like China is buying up everything so it seems like they have some direct competition even though the Rothschilds have a lot of money i it looks almost as though their power has slowly been dwindling and it seems like it's being given up to China or is that just because uh, they've moved on to bigger and better things that we just don't know about yet. Well, I think that's more more the case. I mean, it's really tough to say because as explicit in the the will of Meyer Amschel Bauer back then when he died in 1812, everybody was instructed that the inheritance of the dynasty was to be completely kept secret. So we don't really know the true value of their wealth, but I believe they've been walking trillionaires uh, for a couple of decades now, you know, people pe- people often say Musk may one day become the first trillionaire. It's like, yeah, these guys have been trillionaires for a long, long time. So I, it, it's tough to say really uh, how much of their wealth because it, it's you know they have it in, in so many, you know, it's spread out in so many different avenues. But I think they still have a great deal of of uh, control in, in this global power structure and in this struggle that is happening at the top. I, I think they very are much at the tip of the spear still to this day. Right. 
I think it, it's uh, pretty well exemplified, especially not just through the the control that we obviously see through the banking system and the way that they influence governments and then proliferate wars, but also uh, people have to also consider, you know, just the, the an extended arm uh, of that is also the asset management firms. You know, BlackRock and Vanguard own everything, and they are directly tied into that very same system as well. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, exactly. They they kind of set up these. It's like it's like the you know an octopus you know uh, t- type of a system um, where uh, they're at the top of it all, but they have all these tentacles going out in all these different avenues and areas, um, and and that's the that's the way it works. You know, we describe this thing often as a pyramidal uh, system uh, of power with them at the top and all of us who make up the base going down. You know, um, but having said that. What that means is that we truly have the power, right? It, like, like we, if we do a bank run or, you know, if we step out of that pyramidal structure, the whole thing comes crashing down. It's like that classic scene in Ants or The Bug's Life or whatever, you know, where he points out to them, like, look, they outnumber us. The moment they realize they outnumber us, we're screwed. And that's the that's the position of the Rothschilds today. So I would hate to be in their position, to be honest. Yeah. Well, actually, that's, go ahead, Don. I was going to say, well, I actually just uh, made a very similar point in an article that I recently wrote uh, you know, for uh, for the Free Thought Project as and the Rundown Live, uh, where I the, the title of the article was "We Have the Power to Change the World." Now, sort of talking about the uh, the farmers' protests currently going on in uh, Europe. I was also looking back at the uh, the anti lockdown protests during the COVID era and how the resistance of people and uh, just the inherent resolve for freedom. Uh, you know, really defeated a lot of these tyrannical agendas. And I mentioned in that article, like, if we really want to take back the system, we can do a bank run. Like, it's so easy. If we can organize a global COVID protest and we have mass farmers protests happening in Europe and even they're kicking off in uh, India again now, we have the power just through our phones, through technology to organize a bank run. Like, it's, it's possible to cripple the system overnight and tell these people, look, you don't run the show anymore. Right. Or to end paying taxes uh, collectively and to all of a sudden, just one day, they're not getting their tax money anymore to fund the military industrial complex and, and the, the big brother surveillance control grid. Then what? Right. So like, yeah, it's like a it's like a fragile. What would you call it? Like a house of cards. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's they, they have this thing built. It's there. But it's very fragile at this uh, stage of the game. Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of power to be had, especially when you think about things like the hedge funds against GameStop. Uh, you know, it was the movie cinema where essentially everyone uh, started investing in GameStop and people were losing uh, like their careers overnight because GameStop stock went from, you know, a couple dollars up to $80 almost overnight. And people were just making a ton of money or like Dogecoin. Like there's all these options, especially when it comes to the cryptocurrency market. Although I'm a little concerned because of the control factor of involved with blockchain that they could turn it on and off and decide what you can buy or what you can't buy with central banking digital currency. But, uh, you know, uh, that's all part of the conversation. Where does the, what does the Federal Reserve do? Even Since they're dealing with funny monopoly money, 
the central banking digital currency. What do you think is the end goal there? Because there's a huge changing of the guard. Like, and I want to yeah. talk a little bit about that too with Bilderberg and where is everything in, thing going since Henry Kissinger and all the old guard that we saw in our lifetime that we were uh, putting under a microscope and exposing and covering events that nobody else was, you know, yeah. such as Bilderberg or Bohemian Grove. And uh, now a lot of it's just out in the wide open, the World Economic Forum, Davos, all this is just disseminated information that's getting spread out from these global think tanks. And now there's probably new ones that we don't even know about or that we haven't really discovered yet. But when it comes to central banking, digital currency, isn't that just the Federal Reserve's big wet dream? What could they all do with that thing? That is the big, big uh, uh, play here. That's the big agenda. A one world digital currency, an eventual cashless society. This has been the agenda for a long, long time. And we're seeing the moves, uh, you know, through cryptocurrencies, uh, through the advancements of blockchain technology, through the advancements of, you know, uh, you know, just tap, tap and go a quick little swipe of this or that. We're already seeing literal microchips in, in people's hands so that they can pay for things moving forward. So it's really moving to a time of what the Bible spoke of in, 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 in the end times when we're going to come to a point where no man can buy or sell or be a part of this system unless he has that particular, you know, mark, which is the number of the beast, the 666. And so I think the Rothschilds gaining control of the financial system and the economy and then shifting it into a digital realm is all part of a literal thousands of year old agenda that is, is that is coming to fruition today. So these guys are like the most evil of the evil, <laughs> carrying out the, the most evil thing you can imagine, setting up a one world digital cashless digital currency is something that should be terrifying everybody. CBDCs, this is like the biggest thing I think uh, that the Rothschilds are probably going to be, you know, proud of, uh, you know, if, if they accomplish it, that's, that's probably their biggest goal. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things that I, I think we need to uh, expose moving forward. You know, I, I, when Bitcoin first came out, in uh, you know 2009, I was making videos about it back in 2010, saying this is a huge Trojan horse. Everybody, like, be careful! They're going to rope us into the cashless society. But then I learned a little bit more about the nature of decentralization and and how some of these things work. So I'm not so sure Bitcoin is going to be the one. You know, the, the end one, game, right? Right. The the be all and end all one world digital currency. I don't. I don't think. I think they might have to kill it before they can institute the one. Um, but at any, at any rate, it's still a major step towards that path. And I hope people realize that. Yeah. And one thing I got to mention is that these people are so diabolical. They'll take a book that's sacred, like the Bible, and they'll use it as predictive programming. So Christians believe that this is supposed to happen. And then it's a prophesied that it's supposed to happen. So guess what? There's nothing you can do to change it. And that's not the truth. You can implement change just because the book says it's going to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen. doesn't mean that you should sit around and do nothing. Yeah, that, that in itself is a problem. So the question is, is uh, like it's diabolical that they know this. They're going to use and try to make these prophecies come true, I think, in part. They're using it as predictive programming because Christians often are complacent because they believe it's going to happen and it's God-ordained. Therefore, since it's God-ordained, there's nothing that they can do. And if that was the case, Hitler would be in charge or Nazi Germany or we would just be speaking German. Good people need to stand up against tyranny. And that's where I'm going in part with this, Dan, because I, I don't want to take away. I just wanted to add and piggyback to what you said, because a lot of people out there are like, huh, it's in the Bible. There's nothing I should do. But in reality, that means it should be 10 times more like 
like 2020 vision for you that you should be able to know that this is what you need to get involved with. Start your own communities, gold and silver. Uh, you know, not only that, you know, finding ways to invest and get out of these centralized markets. But uh, yeah, you know, that's just one of many things. Um, Don, did you have something to add to that? Uh, yeah, you know, just, you know, again, piggybacking off of your piggybacking off of Dan, you know, it's just, uh, you know, things like Derek Bros is doing, for example, you know, setting up these, these community systems with the, uh, the, uh, the freedom cell movement and just, you know, essentially just getting people involved with caring about their own individual liberty, and educating them. Hey, look, this is the dangers that CBDCs pose. Hey, this is the danger of the mass illegal surveillance panopticon. Hey, this is the danger of what's going to happen if we continue to allow them to proliferate these endless wars that are all based on flagrant lies and just get involved in promoting freedom, individuality, love, and compassion. Like that's the biggest thing. And that was one of Jesus's biggest teachings is love each other, be compassionate, with one another. And I, I think when it comes down to a lot of these evil agendas, the, one of the focal points is trying to just get people to be as hateful and, and contemptuous as possible to subtract that love and compassion from society. Therefore, we need to inject more kindness and love and compassion into society in addition to the education of what's going on and, and to galvanize people into fighting back against these systems and, and you know, amplifying liberty raising the vibration per se yeah. i mean that's kind of how somebody like david ike usually explains things things are vibrational words are vibration symbols are vibration dan a uh, couple more questions for you before we let you go we're running out of time with you and um i wanted to get your idea so how do you feel uh about the changing of the guard you were the only person that i know of minus one other i know one other person uh that knew where bilderberg was this year in portugal that was last or last year excuse me and I guess, tell me about that process. You were there. Uh, who did you, did you get a chance to interview some people? What did you find out, if anything, from Bilderberg? Because I know in 2017, we, we were able to capture people uh, that were talking AI. We had that one guy in 2017, he said, oh, we were discussing aliens and UFOs and disclosure. Which Where was 2017 again? I get them all mixed up. Where was 2017? Uh, that was D.C., Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think oh. it, we were there and we were talking, they were talking about, uh, you know, 2017 was Chantilly, Virginia. Yeah. And um, they were talking, one of the guys said, oh, we're talking disclosures and UFOs, which ended up happening out of all things. We kind of laughed it off right. and we're like, oh, that's never going to, yeah, whatever. They're making fun of us. Did you go to the Chantilly Bilderberg in 2012? No, Mike Pachesny did. Okay. I thought that was where I first met you. No, but... you met me in 2015 at the RNC. I believe okay. it was because you had a gun on you and the cops were harassing you because they said because you had concealed carry, but they also had legal open carry. But since your shirt kind of covered it, it was a hazy gray era area and they're harassing you at the RNC in 2015. Yeah, a guy with me, actually. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, was like, damn, Texas. <laughs> so. Um, I could have been like, I would have liked to say 2012, but uh, I was not um, able to travel as much at that point. But the changing of the guard, who are some of the people you think we should be watching coming up? Who's taking over the reign? Who's going to be in charge of this Bilderberg group? Is it the Cloud Schwab who used to sit on the steering committee or uh, some of these other individuals? Where do you think this is going? And are, are these uh, are these children even more diabolical than, let's say, the Jacob Rothschild? Because 
they haven't experienced a lot of the things. A lot of these yeah. oligarchies, like the Rockefellers, gave back to the community, whether it was parks, lands, and libraries, they did give something back. But now it seems like in this modern world, it's all about pushing the New World Order agenda uh, and full shift and full gear. Yeah, I uh, I think the new generation is uh, something a little more uh, to be concerned with because they're very, very power hungry. Um, I did a video, a uh, gosh, maybe a, a while ago now, probably seven or eight years ago, um, breaking down um, George Soros's uh, connection to Canadian politics. But anyways, in that video, I mentioned how, you know, he's not going to be around for long and he has a couple of kids. And back then I honed in on Alex Soros in particular, and I, I figured the, you know, he is going to be the go-to guy. And it turns out I was right because all of a sudden over the next few years, we see him at the WEF, you know, he's over there at Davos. He's given, you know, spe he, he's the one meeting like a diplomat going around, meeting everybody at the UN going around. So, you know, I warned about Alex Soros, you know, almost a decade ago now, and I still think that he is something, uh, someone to pay attention to. When it comes to the Rothschild family, they've, they've, they've got so many, you know, uh, splinters of cousins and so many kids under these cousins that it's tough to say which direction they are actually going to go. Well, they change their last names and then they get married into their families. Right. Some of it's them are married into the Hiltons, as in Paris Hilton, as Nikki Hilton, and yeah. uh, you know the Schiff family, and they marry their cousins amongst other things. You know, Alex Soros, who was gay, is now straight all of a sudden. You know, I don't know if you saw yeah. that. He's getting married. No, I didn't see that. But I, um, <laughs> Soros is. <laughs> Alex Soros. I think that was the joke. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But yeah. I had somebody else in mind. I just forget who else I was just going to mention. But... Yeah, it's just very, uh, you know, just the, the tentacles seem like they continue to expand when it comes to these guys. And another one I was going to mention is uh, it was a, a pretty big news when he first got elected, but Emmanuel Macron, when mm. he became president of France, he's also married into the, the Rothschild family. And so that was uh, one of those things. It's like, oh, hey, look, there, there's another one. <laughs> well, he actually worked. I believe he he worked at a Rothschild bank yeah. um, and, you know, he was groomed and shaped by the Rothschilds and by literal pedophiles. Yep. You know, his, his, his wife, current wife met him when he was 15 years old and she was like in her forties. She was his, what? She was, yeah, she was married at the time with two kids. She was his French teacher. She was like 45 or something when he was 15. I can't remember the exact numbers. And, uh, and, and she seduced him. She's a pedophile. And then she got him into the Rothschild bank uh, and then he, you know, uh, becomes, you know, the president of France. I mean, this is how these things, uh, th this is how these things go when you're involved with the, with the Rothschild family, just to bring it all back to, uh, 
to Rothschilds. Yeah. And people think that that sort of thing, like, you know, you read about something like that, they, they, they liken it back to, say, the Middle Ages or something like that, when things, oh, yeah, they, they find this influential, intelligent young person, they bring them in, and they groom them, and do all this terrible, effed up stuff to them, and then they bring them in, and oh, next thing you know, they're the king or the money changer, but that doesn't happen anymore, but it very much does happen. It still <laughs> happens, you know, like with Emmanuel Macron, among countless others. Yeah. Dan Dix, let our listeners know, where can they find out more from you? I want to say thank you for joining us. You're a splendid individual. I look forward to bumping into you again, maybe at Bilderberg uh, when it happens. I'm going to get my passport. I got to get, like last, uh, when you guys were in Portugal, Portugal, somebody uh, offered to pay for my full expense paid trip to fly out there. And I was like, I don't have a passport. Oh, crap, I can't even go. But I would have been cool to join you guys. I got to yeah. get a passport. But hopefully I bump into you. Uh, the RNCs in Wisconsin, I don't know if you're leaving Canada anytime soon. Since COVID, uh, the regulations have been kind of dropped from you guys traveling back and forth. But RNC is right here in my backyard in Milwaukee and the DNCs in Chicago. So if you head this way, hopefully you bump into each other. But let our listeners know where can they find out more and where can they see more of your videos and even donate. And people, you guys need to go out there and support Dan. I'm just saying I ask for money for us all the time. We need your support too. But Dan Dix, uh, great broadcaster. He puts out great product and he's out there all the time. Well, I'm sure I'm going to see you on the front lines, you know, out there again. We've run into each other over the last decade a number of times, and it's going to happen again, I'm sure. Um, so thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, I would suggest people go check out uh, pressfortruth.ca. That's the press best place to go is just the website. At the top of the website, you'll see my link to Minds and Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute, and uh, also a link to where you can donate, uh, pressfortruth.ca slash donate. Really appreciate, appreciate anybody who contributes in that way as well. Um, but yeah, the website's the best place to go for now because that's where I'm currently definitely not being censored. Thanks again, Dan Dix. Appreciate you for joining us. You're always a great person to have on. And let's try not to make it be three years before we come back on, have you back on. I know I've been out there more. I think the last time we talked, I was at the Ghislaine Maxwell-Jeffrey Epstein trial. Yeah. Uh, I was covering that. It was a year or two ago. And then I was involved in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And so you yeah. had all these reasons to have me on for Press for Truth. So I got to make some more reasons to get back on to Press for Truth. And uh, you guys need to go check out pressfortruth.ca pressfortruth.ca go there right now donate five go donate ten dollars pick up some swag dan i don't know do you have any cool press for truth truth gear over there i used to have t-shirts and toques and stickers but i'm a one-man show right so right. doing the, the the inventory the shipping go, going out to the mail it all out it's just it's too a much pain work. it's a lot of work yeah all right so dan, i don't do it anymore you're a family man now dan Dix. everyone thanks for joining us i appreciate you everyone that's dan Dix. What a great uh, person. Appreciate him. Um, he's uh, one of the OGs. Like he mentioned, he's been around a long time. Uh, he introduced me to Luke Radowski, and it just so happened that Tim Poole uh, was also there. Uh, and I think we were, shoot, where was oh, no, I forgot where were we? Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse. And that's where I met him. Uh, we were all hanging out. And I got to play this video, this video, because this is Luke Radowski uh, confronting Jacob Rothschild. Have you seen this video? Yeah, I saw this one like way, like right when it first came out back in the day. So check this out. This uh, I just want you to recognize. I want everyone to pay attention to Jacob Rothschild's uh, facial expression when Luke Radowski, which by the way, the guy has balls of steel. I know that Luke Radowski gets a lot of flack for some of the things and controversial things that he's been involved with allegedly. And I just want to say that Luke Radowski used to do a badass job. Like, I'm not saying that he doesn't do a lot for Liberty, but you know, as we get older, people decide to do different things. Maybe it isn't his thing anymore, but he used to confront 
a lot of these individuals, like these Bohemian Grovers and Bilderbergers. Here's Luke Radowski confronting Jacob Rothschild. Mr. Rothschild, how you doing, sir? Can you tell us what went on at the Bilderberg meeting this year? Sorry? Can you tell us what went on at the Bilderberg meeting this year? I didn't get that, actually, no. The Bilderberg? You weren't there? No. Not this year. What went on uh, last year? No, I wasn't there last year. Wasn't I, last I year? think that was my cousin. The cousin was there? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Okay. okay. No, no, it's completely, uh, completely, completely untrue. I was asked that earlier. It really isn't true. He just sits there and he goes, Welp. <laughs> like, he didn't deny it. He's just like, Yeah, Welp, we're robbing everyone. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, my, love those, I love those kind of videos to see those kind of smug bastards just get confronted by somebody who's, who just tells them straight to their face. Who knows? Like, hey, yeah, right, like, right. Hey, we know what's going on. We're not afraid of you. Humanity is awakening. Your time is running out. You know, the time of your control system is so running the out. The one thing that he did make me question, that video made me question is if the Rothschilds were directly involved in creating the Federal Reserve, which they might have been the money and they might have had the representatives there, but they may not have been directly involved. That makes me wonder. So I know that James Corbett, actually, uh, coincidentally enough, since I mentioned him earlier, I was looking up some of his Rothschild stuff on his uh, his website, which if if you haven't been to to the CorbettReport.com in a minute, he's got a new website layout. It's really badass. Uh, So I was looking it up. And uh, he actually does have a video where he talks about uh, in one of his questions for Corbett segments, whether or not the Rothschilds were responsible for the creation of the Federal Reserve. I don't know how long the video is. So if it's only like, you know, five or 10 minutes or so, maybe we can play that because I, but I know James sometimes does like, you know, 45 minute to an hour long videos. Yeah. I mean, uh, let me type it up and see what we got Federal Reserve. And for our listeners out there, uh, G Edward Griffin, maybe we'll try to get him on. Uh, what was it called? Uh, do you remember what it was called? The Past, Present, and Future of the Federal Reserve? Do you know what it was? Uh, or? No, uh, just type in Rothschild, and it should be one of the first things that come up about okay. uh, you know, does the Rothschilds own the Federal Reserve or something like that. It says, do the Rothschilds own the Fed? I gotcha. Well, let's take a look and see how long this is. Uh, it's 55 minutes, man. Yikes. That's a long video. So what <laughs> we'll do is we're going to post this video on our website in an article. It looks like he uses Odyssey, which is another platform which we started out using, um, but it just didn't seem to be growing at the time. But it seems to be maybe we have to revisit Odyssey. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of you know weird and interesting stuff on there. Uh, but I know it's a liberty-based uh, place to be on Odyssey. But 55 minutes to talk about that, that's a long time. And uh, we got other news stories to touch base on today here for you guys. And one of the news stories I wanted to really dive into 
is this one here. Um, this one is about human AI clones will be a pivotal movement of evolution. So for some reason, the first thing I want to talk about is the the bizarreness that the mainstream media is now reporting on what psychics say. Do you think that's the woo-woo crowd? Do you think that's the fact that everything is new age these days? Or is it just because that's where we're at in humanity, where uh, people believe in, uh, well, I guess they've always had their uh, seers and sayers and uh, people who are prophetic. But I got I got call this kind of, you know, somewhat, it's kind of somewhat trash, but it, the title was interesting, so I kind of read it. And it says, a, a human AI clones will be a pivotal movement in ev of evolution, a moment of evolution. And what are AI clones? Um, and how are they related to us? Right. Well, I, well, I was just going to say really quick, you know, because, uh, you know, to answering your question, I think that for the most part, when it comes to the Daily Star, like they're, they're one of those sort of like trashy sort of magazines. Let's just be, you know, flat out with it, you know. Uh, you know, so like they're one of the ones that do report on, you know, like, oh, psychics and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, not to say that I don't think that uh, let's let's just avoid that whole topic. But, um, you know, when it comes to this sort of thing, like it's, you know, it AI clones is, you know, it's it's a thing that we, we converse about quite often, you know, and, uh, you know, that technology really is it's it's, you know, getting to where it's, you know, presenting, you know, legitimate concerns. Well, it says the world's first AI child was born. This is all over the internet. So that was accurate. But uh, here is... <laughs> this is what it looks like. Oh. Uh, the first AI child is a digital twin, naturally. Of course. Of course it's, it is. Of course it is. It's going to be something really weird and bizarre. And it's like... What were those little toys where you could feed the little babies and it was on a keychain and you could learn if you could be a good parent or not? Um, I don't remember at all. What does a baby co computer call her daddy? Dad? Dada? Oh, bad joke. D-A-T-A. <laughs> Chinese scientists have pushed the boundaries of AI, birthing the world's very first virtual AI entity named Tong Tong. Tong Tong. Tong, 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 tong. Sounds like some little kid would walk around saying, tong, 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 tong. Introduced by a frontier of general artificial intelligence technology exhibition in Beijing, tong, tong showcases behavior and skills that evolve through continuous interaction with humans and exploration of her environment. Translate, uh, aptly translating to little girl in English, tong, tong possesses the ability to autonomously undertake Various tasks, mirroring and actions of a three and four year old child, from exploring her digital surroundings to organizing rooms and tackling stains. Tong Tong exhibits behavior and capability that evolve through interactions with human via cause and effect process known as autonomous learning. So we missed that. We missed the birth of the first AI child on the Rundown Live. We're terrible reporters. <laughs> Yeah, man, uh, it's that's just some some weird stuff. It is weird stuff that's out there. People people are into some digi pets. Somebody said, uh, yeah, that's another that's story. Called. So, among other weird news, something that should be in the UK Daily Star but isn't is this recent article that Fox published. Guess what the title of the article article is done. 
we've had this uh, conversation about dinosaurs, right? Right. Yeah. And how dinosaurs million year old dragon fossil revealed by scientists. Right. So that's where we're going with today's story. They have claimed that they found dragon skeletons. Dragon skeletons. Like well, in, oh, I, I will say in the title, the word dragon is in quotation, so I'm not sure this if they're is Fox News. Why yeah. is everything becoming the, what the rundown live was 12 years ago? You know, it's like we can't allow you guys to report on this kind of data, but we get to uh go ahead and report on this kind of data all the time. And here it is Fox News reports. 240 million year old dragon fossil revealed by scientists. It's a dragon. Kill it. Kill it. Kill it. <laughs> An international team of scientists have released images of what they say is a 240-year-old aquatic reptile fossil that resembles snake-like feature mythical Chinese dragon. Maybe they weren't so mythical. Maybe they didn't die out 240 million years ago. Remember we talked about how the term dinosaur wasn't invented till the 1800s? What did they call them back then? Right. You know, that's a really good Dragons. point. Dragons. 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 So you want to see what this fossil looks like? Uh, I'm sort of skimming through the article now, actually, and I'm seeing uh, some of these pictures, and it, it looks pretty wild, man. I'll tell you that. That's the fossil. Yeah. And the question is, if it's 240 years old, like there was life on this planet 240 years, 240 million years ago. Dang, we're old. Like this, <laughs> like life is old. Like it's been around for a minute. Right. Yeah, man. You know, it's. Uh... It, it's really one of those humbling things to think about just how long. I mean, of course, you know, there are people out there like, you know, young Earth creationists who think that the, the Earth's only been around for like 6,000 years, which is, you know, demonstrably false. Um, but, you know, just it, just to think about how long and, and the way that, you know, life has existed on this planet, you know, from the, 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 the largest of it, you know, like huge ass dinosaurs down to like, you know, people human beings or, you know, smaller animals, you know, like bunnies and, and, you know, other things of that nature. It's just, you know, when you really sit there and think about like the beauty and the magic of life, and I don't mean to get too like deep and philosophical of it, but you know, it's, it's wild to think about. Yeah. Dinosaurs. Rawr. Dragons. Rawr. Slay the dragon. That's, that's what I would have done. Dude, I would have been that guy. I'd be like, I'm going to go get me a dragon. Like get me a damn princess. And then I'm going to be like, I don't want the princess anymore. She talks too much. <laughs> I'm maintenance. I'm maintenance. <laughs> Get me one of those plain old girls from the, you know, the weaving basket weaver. Doc. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they claim that, uh, you know, 240 million year old dragon fossils are revealed. Maybe dragons did exist and the term dinosaur wasn't invented until the 1800s. In other more imperative news, this story is interesting. Because it's so messed up on so many different levels. And this is coming uh, first on Greece, uh, Greg Reese, a great reporter over at InfoWars. InfoWars is the world's largest independent news organization. And Greg Reese does a phenomenal job with videos. Well, it's interesting because medical staff uh, uh, offers, or medical staff in Canada offered assisted suicide to a woman who was paralyzed from, guess what? The COVID vaccination. 
just the state's very gonna sad. The vax, it's gonna make you paralyzed, and then they're just gonna off you. It almost seems like it's playing right into the whole, uh, you know, depopulation agenda. No, like I don't know, man. Do you, could you see? Like, do you see people just keeling over in a few years? Do you think that like it won't be long till like because of we don't know the long term effects of this vaccination and shedding right. and all that other jazz? All of a sudden, people are gonna start just falling over and I dying, mean, just be like, and they're gonna have cancer, alarming, like, you know, come out carditis, and then like whatever, people are just gonna die left and right. And uh, if that's I mean, the case. I would certainly hope not, uh, you know, but, you know, we have, you know, we've reported on this program. It's been reported by InfoWars. It's been reported by, you know, Jason Burmas, who showed the documents, uh, and so many other individuals who who presented the internal documents that, thankfully, we were able to acquire through Freedom of Information Act requests, uh, you know, just showing all the damaging side effects that this experimental injection, because I refuse to call it a vaccine, because it's, it's a... It's Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, that this experimental injection presents to people. And now just recently, uh, there was, it was even reported in mainstream media in Bloomberg, even though they kind of downplayed it. And then thankfully, you know, independent media Infowars picked it up and a few others picked it up uh, and, and amplified this massive study of like, was it 90 million people some odd uh, that found, yeah, there's significant risks uh, to people who've taken these shots uh, to to Duh. heart and brain and <laughs> all these sorts of things. And so I would hope that, it, you know, in a few years, we don't start to see people keeling over from this thing. It's already been a few years since they've administered, you know, the first batches. Uh, and, you know, we, you know, we know the whole died suddenly. The, the, the mRNA vaccine, per se, is right up there with the Rothschild banking scam with uh, money-making genius. The idea... Don, that if I went to you and said, Don, I'm going to sell you this, let's call it gadget. I'm going to sell you this gadget and it's going to take care of all these needs that you need because you're having these issues and I guarantee it. And you buy it, right, Don? And then you come back to me in a couple months and said, well, this gadget must be broken. It isn't fixing the problem that you said it would fix. And I said, well, let me just sell you another one. Okay, you buy another one. You don't get your money back or anything like that. And then the gadget doesn't work again. So you come back a third time and I sell you another gadget. I tell you, well, let's just buy one more gadget to make sure because it's really important. You must have gotten two faulty gadgets. Maybe it just needs update and you buy the third gadget and it still doesn't work. And then you come back to me and I say, bro, I'm going to tell you what the real issue is. We found out it's that everyone else didn't buy gadgets. Would you buy that product? Probably not. Not only that. It's going to cost you possibly your life and the government's going to assist you in the suicide, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just beyond diabolical. And, uh, I, I think about this often and I, I try to make a point often that we can't really just sit by and just pretend like the, the, the you know, the last three years of COVID and all the atrocities. It didn't happen. Didn't, People didn't are happen. They're plugged back yeah. in, bro. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it bothers me so much. I mean, a lot, a lot of things bother me when I, when I really get in my thoughts and start thinking about things, but just thinking about like the, the astronomical amount of heinous shit that we saw during COVID 
tackling of grandmas, tasting people at the beach, all that. And people are just pretending like it didn't happen. Oh, yeah, everything's back to normal. And, you know, it makes me think maybe that's what the new normal really was. You know, it's just this brainwash of making, you know, okay, back to normal. Go to sleep. MK Ultra Mind Control on the mass scale, bro. On the mass scale. Well, I should. we should leave it with this positive article. On a complete bipolar opposite of that story, a California man in a remarkable st- uh, uh, experience, 68, who was diagnosed with both HIV and blood cancer, he was cured of both conditions, his doctor reveals in a follow-up. Paul Ed- Edmund, 68, a California man, on the cusp of being declared cured of HIV and blood cancer, Paul Edmund's 68, who made international headlines last year when he shared his story, still has no traces of either condition five years after being given a transplant of cells that read his body of both diseases. And it's funny that we're giving people faulty jabs when we have technology that might cure cancer and HIV. In a new article by the medical team who treated him, doctors said he was officially cured of cancer and two years away from being declared cured of HIV when he will have gone without the medication since 2020. Mr. Edmonds' medical journey began when he was diagnosed with AIDS in 1988, at that time when the virus was often a death sentence for many gay men. Despite the watching, despite watching so many of his friends die of the infection, he preserved and was living happily married to his husband until a devastating leukemia diagnosis in 2018 looked to ruin their future plans. He was treated for cancer with stem cell therapy, which involved replacing stem cells damaged by chemotherapy with healthy ones from the donor when the doctor spotted a unique opportunity to find a donor with HIV-resistant genetic mutations. That's amazing. That's amazing. So we have, on one hand, the diabolical big pharma, and on the other end, we might have cures for things, which I don't know if withholding cures is premeditated murder, but I could tell you, this is amazing. I, I That'd be cool. It'd be amazing if there's a cure for cancer. It'd be amazing right. if there's a cure for HIV. And I'm sure somebody out there is like, just eat the apricot seeds, vitamin B17, you know? Right, right. But uh, yeah. that's to me, is a really, like, exciting story like wouldn't you think if you had somebody in your family has cancer maybe you know one what would you have done to get them back if this treatment really worked question is what are they gonna charge what are they gonna charge right you know it's a valid certainly a valid question especially when we see the way that the big pharmaceutical companies essentially uh you know they they care more about profits than the patients obviously and you know there's uh, it even sort of ties into that whole uh, conspiracy that there is, you know, cure multiple cures for cancer out there already that have been. And there probably are absolutely. Yeah. You don't see these elite dying from cancer. You don't see exactly. the yeah. Rothschilds or Kissingers or Rockefellers or no, they don't. They probably know the secret. Uh, then the what the fuck is wrong with people type story of the day: trans HIV positive male breastfeeds infant with help of Canadian medical clinics. What the hell is wrong with Canada? And why would a trans HIV positive male want to breastfeed an infant? HIV uh, transmission via milk is possible. Viral load becomes detectable. What the heck is uh, wrong with people? This is evil, man. It's just this. this. Mary Pearson, 52, began transitioning in 2022 and has been taking a number of drugs to develop 
breasts he alleges are capable of lactating. According to Redux, Pearson has got goes by Margie Fancy Pants. <laughs> That's really the this is this isn't satire, it's the post-millennial. Oh, Margie, Margie Fancy Pants with the fake tatas. Uh online oh, first no. shared image of him or her. I don't know, or it's I they them there that though I don't know. Um, first shared the image of him with his, with his then nine month old baby of the Gold Farb breastfeeding clinic in Montreal on Reddit. I mean, bro, can I tell you? I'm coming out of the closet. I'm trans financial. I identify as a billionaire, <laughs> and every one of my one dollar bills should be identified as a hundred. Oh wait, that's the Rothschild baking dynasty. Never mind, they're right. trans financial, and they'll just use your money, right? <laughs> they loan it out, and if you don't pay them back, they'll come and take your. Dude, you know how messed up that is? You do, for every dollar you can loan out a hundred, and if they don't pay you back with the fictitious money, you go and you take their property or house. Yeah, it's this. It's just the biggest scam on earth, man. Biggest scam on earth. All right, guys, thanks for tuning into the Rundown Live. Shout out to Maria and Todd and everyone in the chat. We have Cherry, we have Lacey, we have uh, so many more. Don, we have uh, Jason and everyone else that's been joining us. Thanks a bunch, you guys. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Oh, by the way, on March 10th, we'll be doing a very special episode surrounding the Kyle Rittenhouse and Kenosha unrest. But we'll be taking your calls. And we would like you guys to call in and give your opinions. And it'll be your opportunity to potentially make a BBC documentary on the Kenosha unrest. Uh, if you're especially if you're local, we'll give out the number next week and we'll let you guys know that we need you to call in from 5 to 7 p.m. on Sunday, March 10th. That being said, you guys stay blessed. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to the rundown live on KGRADB.com band.video.